All right, welcome back to a new month, new word, um, new bit of weather this spring, always unpredictable around here in the Midwest where we are. Um, we're so excited for those of you who are joining with us to talk about this word today. I think it's really powerful and really important. And I'm excited about sort of the depth of the discussion I hope we can get into today about this word. So let's jump right in. My name is Leslie Bolser. I'm the creative director at Core Essential Values. We are a curriculum company that writes for schools pre-K through high school and helps schools talk to kids about really important topics in their lives and how they affect their schoolwork and their behavior in their home lives and their community lives as well. Uh, I'm here with Dr. Beth Trammell. She is my friend, and she also is a like-minded individual in the way that we should talk to kids and teenagers, and she has a few more credentials than I do. So Beth, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Beth Trammell. I am a licensed psychologist and have been working in the community with kids and families for about the last 20 years. And um, yeah, I I'm an associate professor of psychology at IU East in Richmond, Indiana. And yeah, Leslie, uh, you and I love each other and are friends and have like minds because we love words and we love helping parents and teachers and really any grown up to kind of focus on being intentional with those words. And I think this is a good one to, to really just continue to encourage folks with this word because it's a word that we use kind of regularly, I think, but maybe not in exactly the way it's intended. And so yeah. with our elementary age kids whose little brains are like so concrete, yeah. it's like what you say is the meaning of the word. And the only way you use the word is the meaning of the word. Yeah. So that can get real wonky. Yeah, it's tricky for sure. So, so let's jump right in. So the word is hope. And the way that your kids are maybe talking about it at school is framed in believing that good things can come even when bad things are happening. Um, and I think that I, this is a little bit of a weird track for me particularly, but I think I wanna focus a little bit on the when bad things are happening side of it, uh, especially for parents, because I feel like as a parent, we tend to feel that pretty heavily. We tend to feel that pretty deeply. So um, I think what you just said is really interesting about elementary age kids developmentally. We're talking about K through fifth grade generally here. That is quite a range of brain development, social emotional development. So there's no really one point in their development where they should be able to feel or experience two things at once or acknowledge that they're feeling or experiencing two things at once, which is why hope and experiencing darkness or bad things can feel really, um, I don't know, binary, not, not connected at all. So, so let's talk a little bit about when elementary kids experience something bad or feel something bad or have a dark time or even just get frustrated. Yeah. So it's really interesting because it's not until usually middle school where folks develop just kind of typical development as we're starting to develop more abstract thinking, we can kind of understand that two things might exist um, kind of in the same space. But we talk about emotions, even grownups, it's hard for grownups to remember that you can experience two different types of emotions at the same time, those kind of opposite end emotions. And so with our little ones, you know, our, our K-5ers, they're like, I'm either sad or happy. Right. I'm either angry or calm, right? There's like, it, it, it doesn't, you, you can't have both. But right. I think as we grow and we develop, even as grownups, we realize that hope kind of by definition kind of lives 
as an umbrella or it lives kind of throughout, right? That it kind of can always exist. I always kind of have hope that that this will get better. I always have hope that good things will happen. In the moment of suffering, we don't we don't experience hope. And so as parents, our tendency is to want to fix sadness. Our tendency is to want to fix darkness in our kids. So if they're experiencing a negative emotion, we tend to want to fix it for them or to help them as quickly as possible get out of that dark emotion. Um, And we might do that by reminding them of things to be hopeful for. But in the moment, they're not really ready to move on from I'm feeling this kind of hard thing. I'm not ready to move on and they can't live together if I'm in a K-5 brain. Yeah. Yeah. So that's tough, right? Because our fix-it parenting wants to get them out of the darkness and into the hope as quickly as possible. But that we 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 even consciously know that that's not possible for them to have both at the same time. So if I were parenting, let's say a second or a third grader, who let's not talk about something you know that really would require some additional help for me as a parent. Not clinical depression, you know, not severe anxiety, but just an everyday feeling that they might have of disappointment. They tried out for the travel soccer team and their friends made it, and they did not. So let's just handle a a kind of a really typical disappointment such as that, that a kid might feel. Um, How do we find hope in that? Yeah, I think that's a great example. If you um, could picture, you know, you've got this third grader who, you know, has kind of just started a love for soccer, has finally found a friend group um, and just wasn't good enough to make the team. I mean, the short end of that story is that they just weren't quite there. And so your, your child, let's say is going to get in the car, um, immediately after, you know, tryouts or immediately after practice, and they're going to experience kind of a, maybe a wide range of negative emotion. They may be angry. They may be sad. They may be hurt and disappointed, but what you're going to see from them is going to be yelling, crying, saying soccer is stupid. I hate soccer. I hate all my friends. I hate that coach. Like they're going to be saying and maybe exhibiting all sorts of things. And so our our tendency is to want to go straight to it's okay. Take deep breaths. Calm down. Your coach isn't stupid or don't ever say that again. How dare you scream in my car? How dare you like We can take kind of the range of parenting in those high emotional moments. And even if your kid is just deeply sad, right? So they maybe aren't talking at all, but they're just crying in the front seat and you can't seem to get them to talk about anything. Our tendency is want to fix it. And my challenge and my kind of encouragement for us is not to fix it in that moment. Allow them the two or three or five or 10 minutes of just kind of settling into the emotion. Most of us need to kind of work through it, which doesn't mean I'm shutting it down, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of allow your child to um, kind of express some of their emotion. You can sort of say, hey, don't don't shout. You're actually like hurting my ears a little bit. So it's okay that you're angry, but can we talk in just a little lower voice or you can't um, hit anything. You can't become violent. But if they're saying things like soccer is stupid and I hate my coach, 
try not to address those right now because um, focus on the emotion, not specifically the words or the content. Those are things we can shape later. But in this moment, we're just trying to draw all of it out. All right. So tell me how else you feel frustrated. Tell me how else you feel sad. Tell me how else it feels unfair. Just allow them to continue the narrative until the emotion is kind of depleted. It's kind of, you know, we've kind of spent that emotion and then we can start to build them back up. We can start to talk about hope. We can start to talk about, hey, when you're angry, you can't call your coach stupid, you know, like then we can have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think letting the emotion be the emotion and, and, and sitting by them while they walk through it or walking through it with them or whatever can be so difficult as a parent. But I've also myself and watched my husband and other loved ones try to step in and show reason in that moment of emotion. And it simply does not work. It just, it just absolutely does not, you know, and we know that right when I'm angry or when I'm sad, the last thing I want is someone I care about to stop me in that emotion and throw in something I should be thinking about or something that should make me change my emotion. Um, it's, it just doesn't work. So uh, thinking it's going to work with an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old is just as futile as thinking it's going to work with an adult as well. Okay. So we sit with them in the emotion. We let them feel what they're feeling. Maybe it takes a day or two. Maybe it takes 10 minutes, depending on your kid, right? It could take a while for them to get through that and want to have a conversation about what's next. And so, so then what do you do? How do you introduce hope um, after a disappointment? So for me, it's first regulating your own emotion, right? So realize your trigger points to when your kid is angry or sad or disappointed, right? So as a parent, I might, um, I might have experienced a lot of disappointment in my life and I didn't have a whole lot of grownups around me who knew how to help me through that. And so I may be particularly vulnerable to feeling shame as a parent or wanting to overdo it as a parent because of my, my history, right? So I think first realizing what are my trigger points? How do I manage hard emotion with my kid? Because we can't respond from that place. So it's not going to be, you know, met well if we meet them with reason when they're in the middle of emotion, what you said. And it's also not going to be met well if we are responding from our own emotional deficits to try to help our child. They can certainly inform kind of some of the conversation, but for the most part, developing awareness of those things will help us to figure out how to approach it. So after our child has kind of become emotionally regulated, right? So they're talking calmly. They seem like they're more ready to kind of talk about it. I would start by asking them like, hey, do you want to hear my take on, on how we can have hope here? Or is there, um, do you want to talk about the bright side of this? And your kid will be very blunt to tell you, no, I never want to talk about soccer again. That means they're not ready. <laughs> Right. So don't start saying, well, you know, my hope is that we can now fill our time um, where you were going to be at practice with fill in the blank. Right. You have to really wait for the timing of hope until they're really ready. And then you can kind of start by asking them some of those preliminary questions like, you know, do do you want to talk more about what we might want to do instead of soccer? Do you want me to share 
what I kind of thought as, as maybe the good part of not making the soccer team, there's, there's always good and there's always sadness, right? But maybe we can look at the bright side and have hope. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think starting these conversations when kids are at this age does a couple things. One, it sets them up to be able to find hope later when they face disappointments as an adult, which they will. And the other thing is thinking through this process intentionally and slowly, like you and I are talking about, really helps us as parents also not jump to some really dysregulated, some really, you know, because what I could do when my kid is disappointed is get out of the car and immediately call that soccer coach and let them know what I think of them, right? Um, but not only does that not help my kid face disappointment, it doesn't help them learn hope or how to handle frustrating situations in the future. So um, I think that this provides hope for parents and hope for kids as well. Um, we could talk for another hour about this. I think uh, I want, we need to we need to let it let it sit for now and let parents deal with just this part because I think we could go on and on and on about how to find moments of hope and moments of disappointment for kids because I would say as a parent, it's probably one of the largest challenges that we face is how to handle when our kids are hurting. Um, but just I, I just want to leave people with the idea of thinking about how these two things can exist at the same time. And that our goal for our kids shouldn't be that they're always happy because um, it's not possible, but that our goal can have something to do with finding hope in sad times or in dark times. Um, that feels a lot more accomplishable and a lot more helpful, honestly, in the long term of their life. I think it's great. Yeah. And I think the last thing I might share is that um, we can teach them about hope by also looking back at past disappointments and saying, hey, you remember how, you know, we thought we were going to get a dog and then it turned out that, you know, we couldn't get the dog that that weekend. And then this happened, right? So it's like thinking about past disappointments and then how good things came out of past disappointments is really the definition of hope. And so you can look back and then you can label that as, you know, this is why we have hope that good things can come. Um, from from hard things too. Yeah, absolutely. We'll love it. All right, folks, if you want to know more about Core Essentials, you can find our website at coreessentials.org or our handle online is at CE Values. And what about you, Beth? Uh, my website is makewordsmatterforgood.com and I'm on social, MWM with kids. Um, you can just search up Make Words Matter. And I also have two other podcasts that I'd love people to check out. Um, the first is called Kids These Days, Needs to Make Words Matter for Good. And the other one is called Things You Learn in Therapy, where I really try to help folks, tips and tricks from therapists and psychologists from around the world. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll be back next month to finish out the school year with yet another word. And um, we'll just leave you with some hope this month. I think that's a great idea. 